Welcome to the Purple Talk Podcast on NBC Sports California, brought to you by Wendy's. I am James Ham, and joining me, Mr. Doug Christie. We just watched a kid pull off a great steal at a youth basketball game. Doug, some good stuff we're watching out here. Yeah, man, I, I always like good basketball. Little man just gave him a nice pump fake, one dribble, pull up, going left. It was beautifully executed, and he knocked down the bucket. And I don't know the score right now, but the, with the reaction of the crowd, that would tell me it was a big-time shot, man. Uh, it did look like a big-time shot, but uh, I wanted him to pass one more pass to the guy to his left for the open three. Um, but, you know. You're an analytics guy today, huh? Yeah. He made the freaking right. shot, Ham. Come on. <laughs> uh, all right, so, Doug, let's get down to it. Sacramento Kings pulled off a couple of trades over the last two weeks, uh, including one that happened just on, on Wednesday night, just hours before the trade deadline. Um, Dwayne Dedman is no longer Sacramento King. He gets his wish. He's uh -huh. out of town. Uh, the Kings bring in Alex Lynn. They bring in Jabari Parker. Uh, and they give away two second-round draft picks. Let's just give me your initial reaction to the trade, what you thought when you first heard it. Well, you know, f first of all, if Dwayne didn't want to be here, yeah, I, I like that part because um, – there's a locker room health that goes along with this and you know when you're in a locker room and I've been in quite a few I want everyone to be pulling on the rope the same way if you don't want to be here and that's nothing against them that's just listen we're all in this together we're trying to fight we're going through some things right now uh, a lot of things are being said on social media and stuff and the last thing that we need is some dissension in the locker room uh, I will give Dwayne Denman a lot of props because he didn't. He asked for the trade. He didn't like it at first, but he he found his way at the end. And to be honest with you, if if he would have been doing that the whole time that he was here, even though he wasn't knocking down shots, the rim protection, the the energy and enthusiasm, all those things, I think it would have worked out marvelously. But with that said, you get Jabari Parker as a guy who I've liked. We've talked about him many times. I like him as, as a free agent. I think he's a guy that. If, if he comes here and he stays healthy, and that's been his problem, knee surgery, shoulder now, uh, he can definitely contribute because he can score the basketball. Alex Lynn is more of – I don't know what you you don't know what you're going to get from him. You you mentioned to me earlier that their numbers, Alex Lynn and Dwayne Dedman, their numbers are pretty much identical. About uh, ten and a half, ten points, uh, ten and a half points, about uh, five rebounds or whatever it is a, a night, and shooting almost like thirty six and a half percent from beyond the arc. So, uh, and it, I can't remember if we covered it or not, but you know there was also another trade executed, yep. and that's when yep. Kent Bazemore came in, and he has been spectacular. I, now, offensively, he's, he's not knocked down shots, and I don't think you're necessarily looking for that, but his energy, his aggressiveness, his dog mentality on the defensive end was sorely needed, and it's something that the Kings can definitely use. So going forward, if you could get Kim Bazemore for the right number and if you could keep uh, Jabari Parker for the right number, th those – well, uh, Jabari is actually under contract. Those are two that I could see coming back next year. Alex Lynn, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. Okay. So let me let me give. Uh, let's start with the first the first trade. Uh, actually, the second trade. Let's start with the most recent trade. Um, you're right, Dwayne Dedman. Uh, he did play better here down the stretch. I, there was some sort of like basic detachment that he had from this team. Um, I don't think he he didn't have a poor relationship with his teammates, but he he wasn't really present. Is everything that I've heard uh, over the last couple of the last couple of months and. I know he had uh, a baby. He got married. He 
He took on a huge contract, which he had never done before. I think the pressure got to him a little bit. We started to see a little bit more of who he was. He still couldn't hit his three-point shot at all, Doug. He shot 19.7% as a Sacramento King from three. And that's the guy who shot 38.2% last year. And you were just waiting for that moment where, you know, he, the shot started to fall. Now, he was also brought in to play alongside Marvin Bagley. And Bagley got hurt early on. And then Bagley got hurt again. And then Bagley got hurt again. Uh, so we never even really got to see that combination. But I don't think it really matters, Doug. If he can't hit his outside shot, then it really does take away why, the reason why you went out and got him. Yeah. Now, I like Lynn. Uh, he's a former f uh, number five overall pick in the draft, seven-footer out of the Ukraine. Uh, he's a big body. The Kings really haven't had that big body outside of Deadman, and even Deadman's pretty slight of frame. So I think Lynn can give you that if you need it on occasion. You go up against a team like Denver where Jokic is eating you alive and he's just such a, a big, you know, giant body. Again, uh, Rudy Gobert, you know, players like that, y you kind of need somebody – to D up those guys, but I'm not sure we're going to see a lot of Alex Lynn, um, especially when you look at uh, Marvin Bagley is probably two, three games away from returning, four games away. He'll be back right after, right after the All-Star break, and Rashawn Holmes will play either Friday night or Saturday night. He's getting really close to a return, and you still got guys like uh, Harry Giles that are going to want minutes. Uh, you're going to have guys like Nemanja Bialica, who sometimes is uh, the perfect guy to put out there in a small ball situation. Um, so I, I don't think we're going to see a ton of Alex Lynn. But I do think we're going to see Jabari Parker. And I do like Jabari Parker's game. Um, he can't really shoot the three ball, but he reminds me a little bit of T.J. Warren. He can really fill the ball up, fill up the basket quick. Um, averaging 15 points, 16 rebound, I mean six rebounds per game this season for Atlanta. Again, you mentioned the injury issues. He had knee issues when he was a young player. Um, <clears throat> but this is a player that the Kings really liked a couple of summers ago, and they were willing to go out and pay big money, and then all of a sudden somebody paid him $20 million, and you're like, okay, we're not going there. Uh, Chicago. But, yeah, $6.5 million this year, and he has a player option at $6.5 million next year. If he opts in and sticks around, uh, maybe you've gotten a nice little bench score at, at a budget price. So I'm okay with that move, and I'll point this out too, Doug. The Kings gave up two second-round picks in this, but they also picked up two second-round picks in the other deal. So they give away two, they, they took in two, um, and the two picks that they gave away are not very good second-round picks at all. And so I'm okay with the, the sort of the transactional issue here, and it saved you at a minimum $6.8 million for next season when D Dwayne Dedman's contract is supposed to, uh, you know, you would have paid him 13-3 versus a 6.5 that you're going to pay Jabari Parker. So, like, the nuts and the bolts of the trade I like as well. Yeah. I, I, I think this is now what I'm looking for going forward is, first of all, Marvin Bagley get healthy so we can begin to – to get minutes, get log uh, time and understanding and all the things that come with NBA basketball. Um, but more than more than anything, just to see this team together because I think that it's vitally important for both Vlade and Luke to understand exactly what it is that you got because 
uh, right now, the, I mean, the Kings, there, there's been 10, I'll say 10, it's probably more than that, get totally, totally winnable games that have gone one way or the other, and you haven't even had your full roster of players. So, um, and, and with that being said, if you win those type of games, you are, you're in the playoffs. So, but you don't know what you got totally. And that means under pressure circumstances, I think going down the line here, you're going to be playing against teams who aren't going to be milling it in because they're going to be trying to get position in the Western Conference. So it should be some really good high-level basketball to critique these guys. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the biggest thing, right? Um, you need to know what you have going into the offseason. Now, the other, I think the good news, at least from my perspective, the good news is – that Bogdan Bogdanovich did not get traded. He is still a Sacramento King. That, to me, is a huge win for the Kings. And, you know, I think there's been this strange, like, battle on social media about whether the Kings could have afforded Bogdan Bogdanovich before the Dwayne Dedman deal. And, yes, technically speaking, they, they easily could have afforded to pay Bogdan as long as he doesn't get something completely outlandish, as long as we're not talking about a four-year 80 or 84 or or $90 million deal where all of a sudden, you know, the Kings are going to have to back away and, and reassess. Um, but I think that there, there's an opportunity here to grow with uh, the starting backcourt of Bogdanovich and Fox. I think Buddy Heald has done a tremendous job off the bench. He's averaging more points, higher percentages, and he's averaging eight minutes less per game. Uh, and so he's being a lot more efficient. Um, he's looked better on the defensive end. He's looked better against second-team guys. And so I think that there's a lot of good there as well. And the fact that the Kings are going to work to retain him, I think is a good thing for the for fans. I, I think that the Bogdanovich is a guy who has he's every team in the league would love to have him. Yeah, I mean, there's some some really high quality teams that actually would love to have him. You got a high basketball IQ. You got a guy that you can put at the point guard if you need to for some of the time. He can handle the basketball. Uh, you know, not a, a fantastic or tremendous individual defender, but a a good team defensive player. And those are all the things, especially in today's basketball, that, that you want. Uh, Bogdanovich is a fantastic all around player. Yeah, I don't know how it's going to work out with Buddy Hill long term, whether he's going to be happy coming off the bench or not. But at the end of the day, Doug, he's got 86 million reasons to just kind of do his thing, whether it's off the bench or as a starter. I mean, he's making a lot of money, uh, and he needs to find his role, whatever that's going to be, and he needs to be the best basketball player that he can possibly be. And whether that's off the bench or it's as a starter, um, I don't think it really matters. But to be honest with you, I like him alongside Corey Joseph. I like him alongside uh, guys like Ken Bazemore. Um, I think it helps Buddy to be flanked by defensive-minded players. And, you know, to get back to the Bazemore uh, trade, I love what I'm seeing from Bazemore. And it's not just – I mean, first of all, he has the longest arms ever. I think he's six foot four with a seven-foot wingspan. He's just disruptive, right? But I also love his spirit and his energy both on the court and in the locker room. I think he is a guy that, to me, reminds me a lot of uh, Iman Shumpert. Just a, he's a better player. And, and, you know, Iman hit some big shots here for Sacramento. But I think that Bazemore still has a lot of game left in him at age 30. And I would like to see him stick around. 
the next couple of years and really act as a mentor that can bring energy and change the tempo and do some good things uh, you know, with that second unit. Well, I, I think that that's going to be, especially for mid-market teams, um, Ham, it, it's imperative that the Kings in continue to in get deeper and you're bringing in, if you're bringing in a guy like Javari Parker, you're bringing in a guy like Kent Bazemore in your second unit, paired with a Buddy Heald and a Bogdan. And you, I mean, okay, now you are going to be competing against some teams and that's how you got to, I thought that that was going to be one of the King's strengths this year. The unfortunate part is they fall into an injury pattern that hasn't allowed them to exploit their bench because, you know, it's just, it, it shortened up and it, it wasn't as deep. So that would, I, I would agree. It would be great if you could keep some of these guys and continue to add talent. I love the defensive mindset that, that Kent Bazemore um, brings, and you're going to need not only him, but you're going to continue to need to add to that pot. Yeah, to be honest with you, I like him as a player. I like him better than I liked Ariza as a fit. I like him better than I, than I like Shumpert as a fit player. Um, I just think that he brings so much uh, is, is intangibles. He brings intangibles that I really dig um, as far as like having him in the locker room and everything else. He's a really bright guy. Uh, he's a guy who had to work his way into the league, who fought his way into the league, playing in the G League um, and or the D League at the time. And I just really think that he's a player that complements what the Kings have. Again, he's disruptive, and, and I like that. And I think that he can instantly change sort of not just uh, – He's not a guy that can single-handedly change the culture, but he can give you an energy that you were missing, and, mm -hmm. and I really do like that. Um, and, you know, he's not the only one. Anthony Tolliver is a really good veteran guy who um, I think his playing days are, are nearing an end. Uh, I think he's 2 of 13 from 3, and he's only taken three-pointers yeah. since joining the Kings. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, once you get – if if Jabari Parker is healthy, uh, if – Marvin Bagley is healthy, and Rashawn Holmes, and Nemanja Bialica, and Harry Giles. I don't think you're going to see much of Anthony Tolliver in in the last 32 games of the season. I just don't think that you know there's a reason to fit him into really what you're doing unless you have to, which you might have to against Miami Heat because you're shorthanded. Um, but you know, I I think that you know again Tolliver is a good locker room guy. He's been known for that for a long time. Uh, a good veteran leader that some of these young guys can lean on. Oh, uh, about as good of as an individual as you're going to find. Tr truly, truly professional, as you mentioned, a great guy in the locker room. Um, if you needed that stretch four behind somebody and he was going to get spotty minutes, I get it. But if Nemanja is your guy and then you're going to, even if you come in uh, with Jabari Parker and you're not getting necessarily the three-point shooting, but you're going to get more scoring because he finds ways to score the basketball. So, um as the as the season dwindles and, and we start to uh, after the All Star break and and we come back and starting to see hopefully that the Kings can uh, get a, a full healthy roster and begin to show the fans and uh, us as well exactly what they are made of and what we've all, we've thought that they would be able to do but they have been unable so far. All right, Doug. So I want to address a couple of things. Number one. Uh, Every team in the league has injuries. I mean, you know this. We know Everyone knows that, right? For me, the injuries that the Kings have sustained, um, they are two your major pieces. Like, if you're looking at the – Buddy Hield has stayed healthy. Yep. Uh, Harrison Barnes has stayed healthy. But outside of that, we're at, I think, uh, 13 games missed for 
Rashawn Holmes, who is your starting center. Uh, we have 18 games missed by De'Aaron Fox. We've got uh, – I don't even want to count up how many games. I think uh, it's 32. Marvin Bagley has played a total of 13 games. Okay. Um, okay. Yes. Yeah, so, so I think it's it's not just like, hey, the Kings have had a bunch of injuries, but Bogdan Bogdanovich missing you know, 10 or 12 games. I mean, these are the players that you're relying on to run your base system. And right. And they haven't been able to uh, to perform, and that's a big deal for the Sacramento Kings. And, again, I, I can't use it as the only excuse. Every team in the league has injuries, but what you need if you're, if you're the Kings, you need them to stay healthy here in the second half, again, so we can assess. We can assess what's going on. Well, it, it's, it's not that other teams don't have injuries because they do. To your point, and this is I've talked many many times about this on radio with Grant, is you sustain injuries to high-level players at the same time. So if you in in this, we had callers calling in talking about Memphis, and I said, okay, well if John Morant and Jared Jackson Jr. both go down for 15 games, they're not going to have the record that they're going to have. You can freaking forget about it. Matter of fact, if John Morant goes down, they're not going to have the same record. So that is, it, it's not an excuse. It isn't a, re, a reality that the Kings are dealing with, and it's 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 truly an unfortunate one. And no one's crying for him. Okay, no. you better you got to figure out how to you got to figure out how to get it done. I would say for for me, the the higher level of the problem is. It's to young players who need to develop. Yes. That is a that's a, if this was a, a veteran that was injured, already knew how to play, was established in the NBA and Marvin Bagley, it'd be okay. Well, when he gets back, he gets back. But Marvin needs the time on the court, the development, all the things, even the practice and player development that goes along with them. When you're in a boot, you're not able to do that type of stuff. So for me, that's more of the part that was big. You can see who Fox is. Now, even if Marvin would have went down and Fox would have still been playing all those games, I think the Kings would have still been okay because De'Aaron Fox is a dude, and he can go out and get you 37 and 10 in one evening and be the reason that you're in the ball game with a chance to win it. I agree. Uh, so the other thing I would like to address, okay, so look, first of all, the injuries, they are what they are, right? Uh, they're – there's not a whole lot that the Kings have been able to do about that. They've had some setbacks. They've had all kinds of stuff. Um, but the other issue that I think, Doug, that has to be, I, I'm not looking to throw uh, the, the front office under the bus because um, I think a lot of people were okay with the signings that they made this offseason, right? I think they were okay. Probably with, 90%. With Dwayne Dedman. Uh, yeah. He looked like, on paper, he looked like a really good fit. I think you're fine with Corey Joseph yeah. coming into the season. He looks like a really solid backup. Um, you, I think even Trevor Ariza, look, the Kings overpaid for every single one of these guys. I'm not going to sugarcoat any of that. Uh -huh. um, but here's what I'm going to say. And I will say before you go, you're going to have to do that until the Kings become a good team and people want to come here without being overpaid. Of course. That's going to be part of it. So and, Doug, and I also believe that, number one, uh, the mid-level exemption is all the way up to $9 bucks. So when wow. you look, you think of the mid-level exemption at nine million bucks, and you pay thirteen or twelve and a half, that's really not that much above what what the mid-level exemption is. And what that means is that if they are a mid-level exemption type player, that every team in the league has the mid-level exemption. So you're competing against everybody, 
for players like that. And if they think that, you know, a piece like Corey Joseph can instantly fit in and help them, right? You know, playoff team, non-playoff. You got to bump it up. Then you're going to have to pay a little bit more to get them to even look. And then because you're the Sacramento Kings, you're going to have to pay even a little bit more. Now again. I think that all of these guys, uh, like individually, they all sort of made sense. But Doug, I'm going to be honest. At some point, it it can't be he looks good on paper. It can't be our analytics say that he will fit. You well, got it. You never should say that. You you have got to vet these players. Somebody go, said that. Uh, I I know it, it's something that we will hear because <laughs> look the analytics say that Dwayne Dedman and Al Horford were their two centers that would work perfectly with with Marvin Bagley. In all honesty, Doug, uh, Marvin Bagley's probably a center himself, and Amanya Bialica is probably the perfect guy to put next to him, and you already had him on your roster. Mm-hmm. So my point, though, is, like, look, Doug, it's got to go beyond the numbers, and we have got to get to a point where they are bringing in players that will not only help the team – but they can live out their contract. Uh, since Vlade took over this team, I'm almost certain that one player has made it all the way through his free agent contract, mm-hmm. and that is Costa Kupis. Outside of that, everyone else has been traded during that. So what I'm saying is that you need players that if you're going to sign them to a three-year deal, that they need to perform and be really good NBA players for three years or four years, whatever you sign them. They should be adding to the piece of the, uh, the puzzle, and it shouldn't be, hey, like, look, we like had who, to overpay who do you, for Who somebody. do you mean? Do you mean like a George Hill? Is that what you mean? Well, I mean, George Hill. Uh, but George Hill, that, that Marco Bellinelli. Uh, yeah, but Marco didn't. If they don't deliver, that's totally different, Ham, because you got to also, you got to do your freaking job. If you don't do your job, well, then you got to go. I and, agree completely. And George Hill, he needed to go because the money that he was getting paid, all of a sudden your star stepped up. Now he's not who you needed him to be. You needed him to come in and mentor. He did that. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Um, you, Mar- Marco Bellinelli, for whatever reason, guys have been signed to come here to shoot, and when they get in this gym, they forget how to freaking shoot. Yeah. Marco Bellinelli has went to San Antonio. Dwayne he Dedman, shoots the ball. I Dwayne Dedman's going to go to Atlanta, and you mark my word. He's going to shoot the hell out of the basketball. He'll find his shot again. Absolutely. Even, even if we're looking at what Trevor Reza has done, look – you have to have a different level or layer here that somehow they're missing, and that is finding players that not only will take the money but will perform and will take on what it is that it means to be a Kings player and what, you know, the the hope that you can break through and, and get to the postseason. I mean, these guys should not have been number one options. They're not even number eight options for the most part. I mean, Corey Joseph in this offensive set, I, you know, when he comes in the bench, he's your fifth option. Dwayne Bed- Dedman should have been your fifth option. But those are guys that should be able to fit in, Doug. And if they can't fit in, you got to do a better job of getting players that have heart and that want to that want to be where they're at. Well, they Corey ex- Joseph has a fantastic it. heart. Oh, I, I agree. I, I, I agree. And Dwayne Dedman showed fantastic heart before he was out the door. I, I think that that what you're saying is fair. If the Kings were healthy this year and all this didn't work out. I'm totally with you. But we don't know 
what they could. I wouldn't have got on this thing on this and hold, hold this microphone in front of me and said I think they could win 48 games if I didn't really think they could win 48 games. Yeah. I, would, I would have said something more realistic, yep. trust me. But I truly think, and if you count the games, I said 10, you said it was way more than 10, and they've got uh, 20 wins right now. You add those up, that is a pace for that type of uh, yeah. win total. The problem is they haven't done it. And yep. th- that's a, a lot of different things. But the main thing, and regardless whether fans want to hear it or not, the main thing is the inability to stay healthy. And that's unfortunate. Sometimes you go through that. Yeah. I, I would just say when you go through the, the draft process, you vet players for a lot of things. And you, right. know, you look at their vert, you look at their jump shot, you look at their body fat. Uh, you also have an interview process where you really get to know, or you should get to know players, whether you're giving them psychological tests or whatever. And what the Kings need to do is they need to have a an avenue where they are vetting these players just in a different way. And I don't know that that's, that's ever going to happen because, you know, you can see a guy who has a massive track record for success and somehow he gets to Sacramento and he just doesn't play. Uh, you know, again, even a guy like Aaron Aflalo, uh, you can go back, you know, Chuck Hayes was like he couldn't even fill the role that he was supposed to fill once he got here. And it's weird. The veteran players on this team, most of which are free agent, free agent acquisitions, are usually the players that are playing the poorest. And I will say this. This speaks to what you and I have talked about, and it's a systematic approach because since all those players that you named were after our era. In our era, you brought in Anthony Peeler, you brought in Jimmy Jackson, you brought in Keon Clark, you brought in Brad Miller. I can go on and on. And every one of them came here and delivered to their potential because there was a systematic approach. You plug them in and play. You're trying to build that now, and this year doesn't help with the, the with development the of all of the things that go along with that. Yes. But that's part of you You can't have a guy come here, guys get injured, and then expect him to do more than he was supposed to do not when you when you plugged him in. If it's a plug-and-play, I've seen it work. You were around at the time. You saw it work. Since then, when you got rid of that systematic approach, it has not worked, and I agree with that. Yeah. All right, well, I like the moves that the Kings made. I got to be honest. I, I like both moves. Um, I like Kent Bazemore uh, as a player at this point in his career. I like him better than I like Trevor Ariza. I like the thought of Jabari Parker and Alex Lynn more than I like what I saw out of Dwayne Dedman. Um, I, I think that the Kings were able to get themselves out of those two deals, uh, and that's a good thing to me. It's a good thing they saved money long term. Uh, whether they can use that because they're going to be, you know, at or over the cap, uh, especially once they look at the Bogdanovich signing, um, that's a whole other story. And you're going to have to figure out how to improve this team without the ability to go sign a 12 or $13 million player. Um, but overall, I think, look, the Kings are better positioned in the final 32 games than they were in the first 50. And that's that's a good thing for the team. Hopefully they can get everybody healthy, and we can start seeing what this team has. Got my fingers crossed, man. Toes, too. And it's going to be ultimately the the health, but it's going to be the development of these guys that really take the Kings. We're seeing De'Aaron Fox make another jump. We need to see Marvin Bagley next. That's right. All right, well, that's going to do it for this edition of 
Purple Talk. We're sitting here watching uh, some youth basketball. It looks like the Grant uh, Grant Unified or something like their their rec league for young men. We have kid with the orange shoes has hit a bunch of threes. Been really nice, clean look, yeah. Doug. Um, but you know the, the Sacramento Kings have some work to do here, and hopefully they figure out a lot of things about themselves here in the second half of the season and we can start seeing growth and start seeing what uh, an outline of what we might get to see next year and you know who knows maybe they rattle off a bunch of wins in a row here they they're four and two over their last six uh, don't do it ham that was absolutely crazy Doug. yeah that was nice that was a nice play i saw where you were going with move. what you were saying there don't do it i got my fingers crossed but don't do that i don't even know where i was going <laughs> all right again that's going to do it for this edition of purple talk uh, we'll be back next week. Thanks for tuning in. Go Kings!